worship in just one word. I've already given that word away today. I want you to notice a couple other passages. I want to read to you out of the book of Psalms. And let's all stand. Some of these, uh, these will appear up on the screen for you today. But I'd like for you to really listen to these uh, passages. And then we'll be landing in the book of Romans chapter 12 for the rest of our time this morning. It says in the book of Psalms 84, verse 4 and 5, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. And then come over to Romans chapter 12. You've heard it preached perhaps several times. Today I want to focus this passage on worship. And it will address that for us. Um, when you see a therefore, you've already heard me say it, you better find out why it is therefore. Amen. It's the conclusion of the matter. It's the wrap-up. It's what God's really trying to drop into our hearts and into our minds and in our lives. So notice what it says as we read, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, bless not just the reading of your word, but Lord, help us to understand this by your Holy Spirit, just discerning it to our hearts and our minds. And may we just really understand this call to worship you have that involves our body and our willingness that we've got to come to a surrender to really be people that worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we pray that somebody might join our ranks today by confessing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, by repenting of their sin, and crowning him as Lord in their life, and that they may do that before our anticipating eyes a little later in this service. And Father, may we all now worship you, and may we surrender to you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Bill, thanks so much. That song, so very appropriate to this message today. And I want to just take you through. The story is told about the uh, hen and the pig that we're talking about uh, the need in the community for the poor. And you may remember they were talking, the, the hen was saying, well, we could serve ham and eggs. You remember this? Some of you have heard this tale before. And uh, the pig started squealing and uh, said, no, 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 no. Uh, that just involves a contribution on your part, but it involves a total commitment on mine. And it really does, doesn't it? Sometimes we... Uh, we tend to tense up and we get a little uncomfortable when uh, we're called to make a real sacrifice or change in our life. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? God wants us to give ourselves over to him. Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, wrote something about surrender I want everybody to hear this morning. Just a phenomenal read. Still, next to uh, the Bible as the best-selling book in the, the, on the planet. It's just an amazing story. Victory comes, he says, through surrender. Surrender doesn't weaken you, it strengthens you. 
surrendered to God, you don't have to fear or surrender to anything else. Did you hear that? That's so important you pick that up today. Because I think sometimes we think if we ever surrender fully to God, God's going to put us in this environment and life that we don't want, that it'll be the worst possible life, and that's just a lack of trust to a God who loves you and wants the best for you. It's so important we understand that um, He's not going to torture you if you sell out to Him and you surrender to Him. He's going to bless you. And to be blessed by God is the best possible zone any of us can be in. Amen? It really is. Jesus said this way in Luke chapter 9. He said this this way. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will do what? They'll save it. They'll save it. It's that paradox of an exchanged life, the Lord's life for our life, that he gives us life back for surrendering to him. Worship at its core is about surrender. How many of you remember when Mary was getting ready to receive the news about baby Jesus and that she was going to be blessed uh, among all women? to be the one that would give birth to the Son of God. And she's told that a man will not be involved. Do you remember how she responded to that? Here's her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. May it be to me as you have said. God, give us a heart like Mary's heart. Give us that type of willingness just to do whatever you ask us to do. We're surrendered. In surrender, you find victory. And I want you to notice in this passage, and let me just share this on, in a couple of uh, framed um, statements that I think will help you understand what God's saying in this passage. From the angle again of reading Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, from the angle of worship. Notice, first of all, that true worship, we're talking about true worship, and today the word is surrender, isn't it? True worship is initiated by our Creator. Just like the Bible tells us that God first loved us, we didn't have the ability to love God just on our own. God first loved us, and then as the initiator of that relationship, we're able to love Him back, aren't we? In the passage, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, you are surely included in that, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The body, the body that you have been given, the body that you like to pamper, the body that you like to go and play and do what you want to do with is not yours any longer. When you give yourself to Christ, you have made an exchange. The Bible tells us, just like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that the Bible says that we are now the residence, the temple of the very Holy Spirit of God. God lives in me. God lives in you. 
So therefore, since I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, God has taken up his residence in me. God now dwells in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in them. If I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, then this body belongs to God. Amen? I'm trying to be emphatic about that because what I'm getting ready to say next matters. It's on that premise that I say these things. Listen to this. If we really understand that, that is what, that the body should then benefit him. In the next phrase, we have the word in the Greek, te- uh, Greek text that is uh, uh, peristemi. It means to offer. It's the word that was translated offer here, offer our bodies. And it means to present once and for all, once and for all. It's a technical term about the priest offering a sacrifice. And here's the thing about Old Testament sacrifices. The priest would prepare that sacrifice. People would bring them in. They would present, present that. Then it's on the altar. It is slaughtered. The blood is sprinkled on the altar. It's dead. It's over. The sacrifice has been made. Amen? That's what happened. In the New Testament, it's a little different isn't it? It's a little different. We are to be, what does the passage say? Therefore I urge you to present your bodies to God and be what? A living sacrifice. Here's the real pill about being a living sacrifice. See, I can crawl on the altar as a living sacrifice, can I? I crawl up here and I'm where I'm, where I'm supposed to be, right? And then guess what happens? You know exactly what's going to happen. Tomorrow, I'm not as spiritual as I was yesterday. And what do I do? I start reneging on my commitment to Christ. I start not being obedient to Christ. I crawl off the altar because I'm living. A living sacrifice requires daily dying to self. What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 9, verse 23? He said that we have to take up our cross. What was the language? Daily. Why daily? Because I still have a sin nature. So do you. I still have moments of backsliding. I still have moments of carelessness. I still have moments of apathy. I still have moments where I just want to do what Barry Jude wants to do, and it doesn't have on the top of the chart that day to do what Jesus wants me to do. I'm a human being, just like you. I'm frail, just like you. And to say that we have no weaknesses, the Bible says, watch it, pride goes where? Right before the fall. Pride goes right before the fall. Yes, we're supposed to be strong in the Lord, amen? And through the power of His Spirit, we can be strong. But in our flesh, we can't stand up against the devil. In my flesh, I can't stand up to the world. I've got to have God flowing through me. I've got to take up the cross of Christ daily. Maybe Jesus should have said hourly. You think? Maybe that's what he meant. Take it up daily. Follow me in just that way. Why should you do that? When God tells us these kind of things, he gives us reasons. Don't you love that about God? 
He says, now I want you to do this, and here's why. Because of, and what does the verse say? If you go back to the passage, he goes back, and if you see what it says, he says, in view of what? Verse 1, in view of God's mercy. Where would you be without the mercy of God in your life? Let me fill in the blank for you. I'm smiling, okay? Because I love you, church. Where would you be without the mercy of God? Here's the fill in the blank. You'd be up a creek without a paddle. And I can say that several other ways. But you'd be in a hot mess, wouldn't you? That's exactly where you'd be. You'd be in your own, you'd be left to your own device. See, with God's mercy, we need the mercy of God, amen? I mean, I, I'm, I'm just a lost man without the mercy of God because God has had mercy on Barry Jew. God has had mercy on you. And anytime you start feeling superior to somebody else, you need to have a mercy check, amen? You need to have a little grace check because you need to understand you didn't earn any of this. It's been given to you as a gift from Almighty God. God had mercy on you, amen? I mean, you just got to get a hold of that. If you ever get where you think you earned this, or man, God must be glad I'm on his team. You better watch out because pride does go before the fall, right? It does. So he, he tells us that it's because of these two reasons, because of his mercy, and then what is the other reason? He says it in the passage. What does it say? He says there's two reasons. One's because of the mercy of God, and the second is because of what? It is your spiritual act. I love that one translation that says it's your reasonable act of service. If God gives you his mercy and you get Jesus Christ, you get salvation and a better life here on planet Earth, then God can reasonably expect that you're going to present your body as a living sacrifice the rest of your life. Amen? It is. It is your spiritual act of worship. What is my spiritual act of worship? My spiritual act of worship, translated in the NIV, is that I now present my body not for just what Barry Jude wants to do, but that I present my body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And I'm going to have to sacrifice that guy on a daily basis, and some days I'm going to have to do it maybe several times. It just is the nature of, of humanity. It's the nature of us. Amen? It really is. I want to share this with you. When I was 18 years old, I was looking at several um, football programs around the country. In fact, one of them I really wanted to come play for was Grant Taft at Baylor University. And I got a letter from Grant Taft. Some of you are going, who's Grant Taft? This is a long time ago. Grant Taft was the head coach. It was back when Baylor was in the... Uh, uh, Southwestern Conference, this is how long this is, and you're saying, well, where's the Southwestern Conference? It does not exist now. It's been changed. But Grant Taft wrote me a letter, and he said, Barry, we are just 
out of scholarships. He says, you know, you're a little bit on the light side. Boy, you ought to see me now, huh? Uh, I told you I prayed that prayer of Jabez and my borders expanded, you know. I, I want you to uh, use your imagination. Go with me for a minute. I was six foot tall and I weighed 155 pounds trying to play college football. Well, I got all kinds of folks that recruited me, University of Kentucky, where we, we lived in the state of Kentucky in those days. I went to high school in Kentucky. And uh, I, uh, you know, I was just excited that all these places were checking me out. And I finally signed a scholarship with a Christian university called Liberty University. I got to Liberty and I thought, great, man. Well, they had recruited all these guys because they were, they were trying to step up their, their, their uh, game and they were going to start playing in what was known then as the Ohio Valley Conference. And uh, anyway, we were excited to, to be there. My first, my first ball game was against University of Dayton. How about that? If you don't know, that's where I used to live for the last 13 years out before I came here. But uh, anyway, I went to Liberty, got there. And like a lot of people that go from high school to college, you're a star at your high school, and then you're not. And I didn't like that at 18 years of age. I had an ego, and I, I, I was a running back, and I liked running for 100-yard for games and having touchdowns, and I just thought that was great. And the first thing they said to me is, you're too light. You'll be busted up if you're running back in college. You're just not big enough yet. We're going to put you on the defensive side of the ball and let you run back punts and kickoffs, but you're going to be playing free safety. Well, the only problem with playing free safety is we had an All-American starting at free safety that was a junior. That means I sit on the bench. So, one day they say, everybody that wants to play, especially you guys that are tall and those guys that can jump and those guys that are fast, if you want to play this year, right now, just like in two weeks when we start the season, come over here and join the Suicide Squad. I'm 18 years old, and I'm really not, I'm thinking, you know, that doesn't sound good. But the drive to play football was just too strong. I'm like, we can play? Yeah. So there's about 15 of us that run over here, and it's a lot of, of, of specialty-type players. It's uh, a lot of our tall players. In fact, uh, our backup tight end, six foot seven, a uh, great player there in Virginia, and just several others that, uh, and it all led, here's what's so interesting, it all led to us getting to play. And it all led to eventually several of us getting to start. But we had to start there. Isn't that amazing that that happens in life? Young people, you need to hear this. Sometimes you have to start down here before you can get up here. Amen? So, we get over there, and Coach Ross is the defensive coordinator. He is also the defensive back coach, so I already like Coach Ross. He's a lot of fun, but he brings with him Coach Redding. Coach Redding is the linebacker coach, and Coach Redding has a steel plate in his forehead. We won't get into why he has a steel plate in his forehead, but he was a crazy kind of coach. And he's always just kind of wild-eyed and just a little bit strange. And he, we get over there, and here's what he did. He says, 
welcome to the Suicide Squad. And he just started laughing. <laughs> and then he said this. He said, our Bible verse, because we're Christians at this school. Our Bible verse for this suicide squad, here it is. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. I'm 18 years old. I ran from people like him. I didn't run to them. I ran from them. And here I am listening to the, and he's just, and then he just looks at us all, and we're all kind of big eyed, bug eyed, and wondering what in the world we got ourselves into. And he's going, <laughs> just over and over. <coughs> he's just one of those crazy coaches. You know, I mean, you're like, something's wrong with that guy. <coughs> Something is really wrong with that guy. Okay, he's saved, but maybe barely. You know what I mean? So anyway, we get, we get in there, and next thing you know, they're telling us, hey, you're going to learn how to do something that most players, when they're 18 years old, can't do. You're going to learn how to disregard your body. What do you mean? So they started having drills, and they had all these dummies, and the first thing they did is run fast as you can, jump over this dummy, and fly through the air. We're going to see who can, go, who, who can jump the furthest. And we're, I'm thinking, like, fly through the air, land on your feet. And they're like, no, fly through the air, head first. You're Superman today. We're going to see how far you can fly. And we flew out on the grass, and then you rolled a couple of times. Then they had dummies, and they would have us jump. And they would take the dummies, and these are the big dummies. I mean, these are the dummies that are this big around. And when you would jump, they'd take your feet out from under you, make you flip. And they would hit you in the face when you were trying to run and trying to block a ball. Anyway, we went through all these drills, and all of it was conditioning to get you not to shut your eyes. It was so you would keep your eyes on the ball. You would keep your eye on the prize. And what we did is we blocked punts and we blocked kickoffs. And finally, almost at the end of the season, we were playing Georgetown University. And uh, we got to, I got to block a, a, a punt. And I was so stretched out after I got it, I, I picked it up. But I was way out like this. And I got down to the two-yard two line just stumbling. And, I, and in college ball, if you fall down, you're down. And so I fell at the two-yard line, and I'm like, gosh, two yards from a touchdown, and nobody was behind me. And there I am laying on the two-yard line. But we got the ball. We scored two plays later. Bam. Suicide squad. We had to disregard. You know how those 15 players, only seven of us, finished the season without injury? It was back in the days where you could jump over the line. And that was fun. Flip. And uh, you remember seeing those guys do that back then? I was one of those guys. Well, it led to me getting to play. It led to me getting to run back punts and kickoffs. It led to more activity. But first I had to surrender and disregard my body. I wonder if God's asking us in the church to grow from our state of 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 juvenile type of Christianity 
to where we get to a more advanced stage and he's asking us to surrender. Keep your eyes on me. Don't flinch when the devil starts smacking at you and carrying on with you. You know, it was good training back then. Like a lot of sports, it's good training for other things in life, isn't it? It can teach you to, to do things. And you say, well, what happened that you're now a fat tackle? Well, that's a long story. I prayed the prayer of Jabez. My borders expanded. We'll leave it there, okay? Uh, pray for your pastor. I need to get myself in, in better shape. Uh, that's the bottom line. I really do uh, as, a, as a witness myself. True worship is authenticated through change. Look at the second principle in verse 2. At the beginning of the passage, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of what? The world. My temptation is always to cave in. Uh, it's all of us. It's to cave in and keep doing things the way you used to do it, the way the world says this is the way this should be done. The thing is, we're followers of Jesus Christ. We answer to a kingdom that's outside of this world. Amen? We, we answer to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I have to be obedient to him. And listen to the passage. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? transformed by the renewing of your mind do not be conformed it's so important like the uh, texas cowboy that made the statement when he was not very far along in his christianity he says i'm not i'm not what i'm going to be and i'm not all that i should be but thank god i ain't what i used to be that's a good statement and that's somebody that's on their way that's somebody that understands that's somebody that gets it isn't it it's important for us to get that being transformed is this concept, in the Greek text, it's this word metamorpho. Metamorpho is this term that literally means to change or to alter. It's the idea of the, the caterpillar becoming the butterfly where there is physical change. Listen, August 17, 1975, 15 years old, Jesus Christ invaded my heart when I surrendered to him and he started changing me. Man, he took things away from me, took desires away from me. I started becoming this new creation in Christ. As, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We all know the old is still there, and you have to deal with that, don't you? But listen to this. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 11, that same word, Metamorpho is used to describe Jesus when he was transfigured, that he was altered there as he prayed and worshipped the Lord God in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's just an amazing passage. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, being transformed into his holiness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Warren Wiersbe, in writing on this, this very uh, passage in Romans, he says, if the world controls your thinking, you're a conformer. If God controls you, you're a transformer. Isn't that, I love Wiersbe's simplicity, don't you? He makes it so plain there, and it's such a good statement. If you are doing what the world wants you to do, if that's the way you think, you're a conformer. Plain and simple. If you are a transformer, it's because you now have crowned the Lord as the path to your thinking process. His word, his ways, imitating Christ, means more to you than anything else. 
Amen? Look at this third principle, and that is this. True worship, true worship educates us to our cause. You know one of the number one things people come and want to talk to me about? It's God's will. What is God's will for their life? Do you know that this passage reveals something about God's will that you really, really need to hear? Listen to this. Verse 12, I mean, chapter 12, Romans, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You've got to break with being a conformer, amen? You've got to let the Lord transform your mind. And how do you do that? By renewing your mind, you start thinking a new way. Listen, this comes out in so many ways in our walk with Christ of how we break old patterns in our life. Check this out. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's will is reserved. It's reserved much like this drink behind my tablet. It is reserved and hidden until you surrender. And in surrender, what happens? You're able to see what his will is. And notice how it's described. His good, perfect, and pleasing will. See, if you surrender to God, this connotation that we have, boy, if I ever sell out to God, God's going to send me to the most remote place in the world. People will never hear from me again. I'll just be banished. I'll never be on Facebook again. I won't be on any kind of social media, Twitter. Who heard, who's heard of that where I'm going? Uh, man, I'm not going to be able to talk on a phone. I'm not going to, I'll just be in some remote bush place someplace because I've sold out to God. God may have you stay right in DFW sold out to him. He does that. And wherever he takes you, it will be the most satisfactory life experience you could possibly have. His will, the center of it, is the most enjoyable place that you will ever experience. Even if it's difficult and even if there's hard times, you will have his presence, his power, and his anointing on your life in that zone. It's so important you realize that. Wherever he calls you to, it will be incredible. Because he's the incredible God, isn't he? What he has for you is the best. He's not going to torture you if you sell out. Oh man, I'll be in, I'll be, I'll be in a convent someplace. I'll never get married. God may, you just don't know what he's going to do with you. But don't fear surrender. Don't hold out on him, because I tell you the truth, if you surrender, it will educate you to the cause of Christ in your personal life. Watch this. We surrender our will. Do not conform any longer to the world, to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. William Booth said it this way, the greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. Well, that's some real truth right there. Listen to this, Romans chapter 2, as we read on, chapter 12, verse 2, we secure God's will by surrender. Isn't that amazing? 
by surrendering, I will find and see God's will. Sometimes God's will can be difficult because you have choices. But listen to this. We secure his will. How do we do that? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is and then listen to how it's described. Not like we think in our heads. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. It's the best place you possibly could be in your life. Surrendered in the middle of his will. And that's called worship, by the way, too. Did you know that, notice this in the passage, that this is your spiritual act of what? Of worship. To present your body as what? A living sacrifice that you've got to perpetually deal with because we just have that problem. A.E. Stanley, or E. Stanley Jones wrote this. He says, if you don't surrender to Christ, you'll just surrender to chaos. You will. If you don't surrender to Christ, you'll surrender to anything out there. I watch it when I talk to people all the time. I listen to, I'm listening for what their life is based on and what they believe as, as like this, this preeminent thing in their life, what, what guides their life, and I'm listening as they talk. It's so important that we understand that, amen? It really is. We've got to come to that. Let me share this with you. Bill Bright, much like Billy Graham, tremendously used in our, our generation. He died, uh, went on to his heavenly reward probably 10, 12 years ago now. I, I, I don't even remember when, when he died. He, he gave us the four spiritual laws, a lot of witnessing tools. To this day, I use with children often the gospel glove where I'll, I'll, I'll get the gospel glove out and share the gospel. It's got all those colors and the, the little uh, uh, cross and the gift of God and stuff on the, on the fingers and the Bible verses. And I'll, I'll share that with a, a kid in sharing the gospel with them. He did so many things. One of the things that's so beyond belief is to this day, the Jesus video is blessing people beyond belief. I have a friend that's a missionary and an evangelist, but he goes to Malawi all the time, and he has teams go to Malawi. And he, he uses the Jesus video. They just put up a big screen. They back up a truck. They have a screen on the truck. They show the video. It is nothing for them to see 5,000, 10,000 people saved any given week. I mean, just people professing Christ, watching the Jesus, the work of Bill Bright. Bill Bright was asked, why is the Lord using you like he is? Listen to this. Why do you think the Lord's used you like, like he has? And uh, Bill Bright makes this statement. He said, uh, well, when I was a young man, I made a contract with God. I literally wrote it out. I signed my name at the bottom. It said, from this day forward, I am now a slave of Jesus Christ. He was a young man when he did that. I am now a slave of Jesus Christ. Well, the world keeps shouting all the time, don't let anybody incarcerate you. Well, listen, to be a fool or a slave for Jesus is the best possible life you could possibly have. Bill Bright proved that. God used him like a spoon. He got great glory from his life. Why? Because he just sold out and he did what? He surrendered. Here am I, Lord, send me. I'll go. I don't know how. Don't know what. 
But here I am. And in the midst of that surrender, God will reveal his will to you. His good, what? Pleasing. Pleasing to him or pleasing to you? It's a good question about that passage, isn't it? And perfect will for you. I don't know about you. I want to live that life and keep living that life, don't you? Listen, if you're here today, you may not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We want to invite you to come and do just that. You can repent of your sin, turn away from your sin, not conform anymore, but turn now to Christ and give yourself to him. You can pray and invite him, believing in his death, his burial, his resurrection. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. We invite you to come and do just that. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you've got to ask yourself a very legitimate question. Am I surrendered? Bill sang that song earlier. There are Easter cards that are laying here at the altar for you to use and hand out. Maybe you want to come and pray over those. Maybe you want to bring your five that you've filled out since then, that you're working on, that we had a couple weeks ago when we were all together. And you want to make that commitment to start working on those five for Easter that you're going to invite, bring, take out to lunch. Amen? Maybe you want to come and pray over some folks today that you're trying to get here for Easter Sunday. Whatever the need is, let's pray. Father, it's invitation time, and no doubt some folks need to surrender. I pray that we would be surrendered. As the song a little earlier that Bill was singing, I surrender. Lord, may we realize that surrendering to you is not defeat, it's victory. It's the most incredible victory we could ever have. Help us to surrender today. And if somebody needs Jesus, we pray today they may come and crown him as Lord, that they'd let us help, help them make that decision. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.